So we are continuing in our series that we've entitled Reaching Out Without Freaking Out. If you're new and you're wondering what in the world does that mean, what we're trying to do is talk about how the church is to be a a, a group of people who we reach out into the community and we love people well where they are, not necessarily where we want them to be. And we want to do that in numerous ways, and that's part of what we're talking about in this series. But whenever we start talking about reaching out, particularly if we're talking about evangelism, for some reason Christians start to freak out a little bit. You get a little worried, a little concerned. Oh no, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And so this series is meant to say, look, there are ways that every one of us can be involved in reaching out, even in evangelism, without having to memorize the evangelism explosion outline that lasts about 15 minutes to say, or even like what we talked about in Sunday school today where there's this identity paradigm that you can, we don't have to memorize any of those things. We can just do the following things and that is part of reaching out. We've already seen how we pray We pray for our community. We pray for people to come to faith. We pray that there'll be open doors to be able to talk to people, various things that we can pray about. We've talked about listening to others. That's one of the things that we, as a church, sometimes fail to do well because we want to tell them the truth. But sometimes in order to tell the truth to someone, we have to be able to hear where they actually are in order to apply the truth well to where they are. Otherwise, we're just talking past them. And then last week we talked about inviting people. Every one of us can invite. We can say, come and see what Jesus is doing in my life, in the church's life, and in various things. We can just say, come and see. Come and see what Jesus is up to. And that can be for Sunday school, for a worship service, for a life group, for anything that you do that in some way points to Jesus. You can just invite people to that. And those are three things that we've already talked about. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, and we'll address some other passages as well in order to see another way that we can reach out. Now let me set the stage here. Jesus is, he's been working with his disciples. He's been teaching them his ways. He's been trying to show them what it means to follow Christ and to to follow him and to, to live according to the values of the kingdom of God And then here we have the mother of the sons of Zebedee, who was uh, James and John, coming up to Jesus and asking a question. And that's where we're going to pick up. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, came up to Jesus with her sons, that's James and John again, and kneeling before him, she asked him something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we we are able. 
he said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten, the other disciples, heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me pray for us. Father, once again, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for this picture of Jesus. Uh, We're thankful for the way that your word actually shows us our own hearts. It's like a mirror. And it shows us both what is good and what is not so good about who we are and what we do and how we think, the things we say. And even in this passage, we are confronted with something that runs counter to the way we tend to want to be. Jesus, you're telling us to be a servant, and we tend to want to be served. Will you help us today not only to see the sin that is in our lives, but also to see the beauty and the wonder and the glory of what it means to be a servant of Christ, a servant of others, and using that service in order to reach out to our community. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God, and for the good of this community. And we ask this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen. So uh, back in 2019, way over in Tucson, Arizona, there's a man named Cross Scott. And I did cross-check to make sure that I'm saying that correctly because I was thinking it was Scott Cross because Cross sounds more like the last name and Scott sounds more like the first name. But it's really Cross Scott. And you don't care about that, but I just, you know, I just wanted to make sure I was doing this right. So Cross Scott of Tucson, Arizona, back in 2019, he's a tire shop technician and he was test driving a vehicle for a customer when he saw a a white sedan off on the side of the road with its hazard lights on and it was rolling slowly on the side of the road. So he thought, well, that's weird. So he stopped, he went over and he looked in the driver's window and he saw a woman who was slumped over the steering wheel. So he knocked on the window and she didn't respond. 
and the car kept rolling slowly. So he got a big rock and he put it underneath the tire so it wouldn't go forward anymore. And then he tried the door and it wouldn't open. So he got another rock and he cracked open the back window so that he could get in. And then he noticed that she wasn't breathing. Now, Cross, or Mr. Scott, uh, is a tire shop technician. And he knew nothing of CPR. He'd never been trained in CPR. So he, he wasn't sure what to do. He knew that if he called 911, they wouldn't be able to get there in time. But he knew he had to do something, and that's when it hit him. See, Mr. Scott was an Office fan. The show, The Office, and he had watched the episode in which the characters of that show were taught to administer CPR to the tune of the Bee Gees song, Staying Alive. So that's what he did. Right there on the side of the road in Tucson, Arizona, giving compressions to her chest, going, ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. And he saved a woman's life. Now let's think about that for a moment. Here's a guy who's in the middle of doing his job, right? He's, he's doing his job for his company. He doesn't know this woman at all. He, he doesn't really know CPR. He was taking CPR advice from a sitcom, okay? And yet he was willing to act when he saw someone in need. He was willing to go there, even though he didn't know exactly what he was doing. He was willing to serve another human being who was in need, even though he wasn't sure if what he was doing was right. What about us? When we see people who are in need out in the community, how do we respond? Are we willing to serve and serve in the name of Jesus? Not just to save someone's life physically, but hopefully to see that person even come to a salvation that is eternal. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Reaching out by serving. We all, all of us, we can reach out to others in this community and in other communities, we can reach out to others in the name of Jesus through acts of service. Through acts of service. So in uh, Matthew 20, which we read earlier, we see in verse 25, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones, they exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. In other words, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, look, if you're following me, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, this is what should characterize your life. Service. 
serving. Looking out after the needs of other people. And we see that throughout the New Testament. For example, in 1 Peter 4.10, we read the words, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. In other words, God has given each of us a gift of some sort. He has given us something that we can use. I don't know if uh, Mr. uh, Mr. Scott... I see I got his name mixed up again. I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he used what he was given, even though it was from a sitcom, in order to help someone. And God has given us gifts in order to serve one another as good stewards of what God's given us. Now, if I was a betting person... I bet there's at least one person in the room who's saying, but Stuart, didn't you read what the passage said? It says, as each has received the gift, use it to serve one another. And I know, because I listen to your sermons, that whenever you see that in the Bible, normally, typically, it's talking about other Christians, that we are to serve one another in the church, not serve people outside the church. See, Stuart, you're trying to make this passage say something and it's not saying. Well, if I was trying to say that from 1 Peter 4, I would agree. But that's not what I'm going by. What Jesus says is that we are to be servants, and that's not just for one another, that's for other people as well. And how do I know that? Galatians 6, 10. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. A-plus student right here. Everyone. Not just some people. Not just the people that we like. Not just Christians. Everyone. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So you see, you see what's going on there. The scriptures are showing us that, yes, we are to serve one another, and that's a primary kind of obligation for us. But we are also, as we have opportunity, as we see the person on the side of the road who slumped over the the steering wheel of their car, yeah, we're to serve that person. As we have opportunity, we're to see ways of being able to serve other people, even if they don't belong to the household of faith. And when you look at the early church, that's exactly what they did. For example, there was a particularly nasty plague that hit um, one of the cities of the Roman Empire in the first few centuries, and most people fled the city. They're like, yeah, I don't want to get that. And they ran. They fled while people were dying. But many Christians stayed in the city. And according to one historian who records it, he says, all day long, these Christians tended to the dying and to their burial 
countless numbers with no one else to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. And these these Christians, they didn't go around saying, hey, are you a believer? No, they just served people who were in need because they saw it as this is our opportunity to serve people well. Christians, they served the community so well that the Roman Emperor Julian in 300 and something A.D. said, I love this quote, he said, it is disgraceful that these impious Christians support not only their own poor, but ours as well. And all men see that our people lack aid from us. Okay, Julian was not a Christian. In fact, he's called Julian the Apostate because he was raised as a believer, but he rejected it all. But then he came back and said, even though he still didn't believe, he said these impious Christians, they support not only their own poor, but they're looking out after our people as well. And we don't even do that. Shame on us is basically what he was saying. And so, we as the church, we as Christians, yes, we are to serve one another, but we're also to serve people outside of the church. And that's a way that we can reach out, because every single one of us can serve another human being in various ways. And we're going to talk about that in a few. But before we go there, let's kind of dive a little deeper and see why serving is so important. First... Serving others is a way of demonstrating love for them, right? Serving others is a way of demonstrating love for them. I have a friend named uh, Jeremy, and um, It is possible he may listen to this, and I apologize for not asking him to use this ahead of time. I should have. But my friend Jeremy, when he was first married, and Don and I were still dating, he he told me that his desire in marriage to show love for his wife was to outdo serving her. That's what he said that his goal in the marriage was to be, to outdo serving her. Like, whatever she did to serve him, he wanted to do more in order to show her he loved her. And I thought, wow, that's that's amazing that you have that kind of mindset. And, And he reminded me, it's the mindset of Jesus that we're to outdo each other by serving one another. And in fact, in Galatians 5, verses 13 through 14, we read these words, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, as an opportunity to give in to your sinful tendencies. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
So we serve others, and by serving others, we're showing them love. And again, just to drive the point home, this isn't just about the people that we like. This isn't just about serving people that are easy to serve. Like Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, and just buckle up because this is rough. All right, if you've never heard this before, watch out because Jesus has got our number. He says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Ooh, right? <laughs> Jesus is saying, love those who even hate you. Do good to them. Serve them. Now we hear that as red-blooded Americans... And we think, no way, I'm not doing that, right? Because we all want what we want. We have this tendency to be a little self-centered, a little demanding, a little entitled, a little self-absorbed. Why do you think there's so many selfies on our cell phones? And not only that, But sin is at the root of it all, causing us to be selfish and self-centered. It causes us to curve in on ourselves so that it's about me, myself, and I. I take precedence. I am the most important one here, not you. And that is not the attitude of a servant, is it? In an article entitled, Living in the Age of Entitlement, uh, Dr. George Simon writes, we live in an age of unprecedented entitlement. We have so much, and as a result, we've come to expect a lot. And we tend to take what we have for granted. We too easily feel like we're owed things. Anybody here ever felt that way? Like you're owed something? I know for me, just real briefly, uh, I read that quote and I've been thinking about this entitlement thing and I realized that that's what happens every time my cell phone is a little bit slow. 
because I've become so accustomed to the speed at which I can press a button and something happens. If I press a button and nothing happens, there's a little bit of entitlement that comes out. I am owed fast internet. Why aren't you giving it to me? And I keep pressing the button and it doesn't work. That's the opposite of being a servant. It's an entitled mentality. And it's exactly what the mother of the sons of Zebedee was really trying to get for her children, right? In Ma- back in Matthew 20, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they came up to her sons and kneeling before him, she asked, him, asked Jesus for something and he said, what do you want? And then she said, my two sons they really ought to have a place beside you on your throne. Can you please grant that to them? Because they're they're good kids. I mean, look at the other ten back there. They're a bunch of losers. These two, they're great. Why don't you give them the place of honor? And the other disciples, when they heard what was going on, they were upset. They were indignant, the scriptures say. They were angry about all this. You know why? Because they weren't the ones who were being entitled to the places of honor. They didn't think of it first. And Jesus answers them by saying, look, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their great ones exercise authority over them. It shouldn't be that way with you Whoever would be great among you should be your servant, and whoever would be first among you should be your slave. For even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, he gives his life as a ransom for many. And that's that's the gospel, isn't it? That the Son of God came willingly and humbly in order to lay down his life for people who did not serve him, but were serving themselves. And he did not serve himself, but he laid down his life for them that they would have life, that they would have forgiveness of their sins, that they would be a part of his kingdom, and that he would change them from the inside out so that they would be like him and be servants. That's the good news to make us to be what we were intended to be from the beginning. People who serve our God and who serve one another, who love God and we love our neighbors. And folks, when we willingly and humbly serve others, we are reflecting something of the attitude and character of our King when we willingly and humbly serve others, we are reflecting something of the attitude and character of our king. The the, the king who says in this very passage, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you love Jesus, you want to be like him. So why is it so hard sometimes 
for us to want to serve other people. Maybe it's because we haven't really let this truth sink down deep and really grab our hearts, grab who we really are inside and go, wow, the very God of very God put on flesh to serve me. He honored me by serving me, by dying in my place and rising from the dead. And now I have life and I have it abundant and free and full because of what Jesus did as serving me. So how can I not serve him and serve other people? See how that works? And that's what we're called to do. Not just to serve each other, but to even serve people outside of the church. And that's one of the ways that we can reach out to others. So here's your action point for this week. If you like something, tell me what to do, Stuart. Here's something that you can do. And it's going to be kind of general, but I'm going to give you some specific things that you could choose from. All right? So your action point this week is basically serve people. <laughs> serve people in the community. Find ways to serve other people. Now, this don't make this more complicated than it actually is, okay? That, that's what we tend to do. We tend to make things more complicated than they need to be. Look, start with the people you already know. You got people who live beside you. You know, you hear that they're going on vacation. It's getting near that time for vacation time. Say, hey, I would love to get your mail for you while you're gone. That's an act of service. Or maybe your next door neighbor takes their kids to school every single day and you, know, you notice that and you know you take your kids to school or you at least drive by there and you could say, hey, if there's ever a time where you need some help, I'd be glad to take your kids to school for you. Okay, just simple things. Or you can serve at a school. You know, one of the things that's just fascinated me is that Westminster Presbyterian Church, as far as I know, has almost always been here. There's been one time where we've been on another street, but we've been here for a long time. And right across the street is Alice Drive Elementary School, and they're always needing people to come serve over there, because they always have needs. Wouldn't it be great if our church just adopted that school? And we sent some servants over there to help out in various ways. And then there's United Ministries in the community. There's Sumter Pregnancy Center. You can serve in all kinds of ways. And you can be like the guy I talked about at the very beginning. Even if you don't know exactly what you're doing, just get in there and do something to try to serve someone. Act. engage serve well because Jesus has served you well served you even to the point of death even death on a cross and he did that so that you would be like him you're forgiven of your sins yes but then you're made a new creation in Christ and now the old is gone the new is come and who are you now you are a servant, a servant of God, a servant of other people in the church, a 
a servant of people outside the church. And so because of that, by the power of the Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, let's serve others for God's glory and for their good. I'm going to pray that we would be able to do that. Um, Father, will you help us by your Spirit, by the power of your Spirit, uh, embolden us to act, to engage, to serve, to not give in to the sinful tendencies to curve in on ourselves, but to curve outward to others, to love you by loving others well and serving them in their times of need. Help us to see those opportunities. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see it and know it and know how to engage for your glory, for our good, and for their good. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.